Welcome to I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. Today we're getting stuck into tough loving leadership and joining me to pull this one apart we have Sophia Meyer, AIH, Fandana Daz, MIH and Jill Whitaker, FIH. As always, a massive thank you to all three of them for giving up their time and opinion. Don't forget, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, just reach out to me directly at phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org. But for now, let's go learn about the importance of tough loving leadership. Hello and welcome to the next episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast, hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. And boy, do we have a cracker of a topic for you today. And I am, of course, once again joined by three more wonderful humans from within the IOH membership who have all very kindly given up their time to chat to us today. So first up from within the fellowship, we have the legend that is Jill Whitaker, OBE, MD of HIT Training. Hello, Jill. Hello, Phil. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Oh, not bad, you know. Not bad. I like the sunshine. We've got lovely weather today and uh, all is well with the world. I couldn't agree more, apart from the fact that I'm recording in uh, what is feels like a little hot box of a room in my house. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here dripping in sweat. But, oh, um, yeah. That's Hasht- fine. Hashtag working from home, eh? Indeed. Absolutely. How's life in the uh, in the training world? Uh, it's interesting. It's, it, you know, what, okay. happens, what happens in my little bit of the world is purely a reflection on what happens in the, the whole of hospitality. So as you might imagine, we well, you can see what's happened over the last few years. There's been so much um, disruption, hasn't there, to our industry. And uh, mm. it, it reflects itself the same way as us. We've, we've got the added challenge as well. You know, most of what we do is apprenticeships. We do other stuff too, but a lot of what we do is apprenticeships and the the what we're allowed to charge for an apprenticeship has stayed fixed for um, a number of years now and yet the costs uh, the input costs are spiraling out of control so similarly to the rest of the industry where everybody else has got supply chain challenges um, and costs going through the roof your price is only as elastic as, as as it can be isn't it so where you've got no yeah. elasticity, that is a that is a big old challenge in and of itself. But yeah, it's it's something we understand. It's something we know how to manage as as best we can, and that's what we're trying to do. Very good. And how long have you been doing that now, Jill? Um, since I was a small child, Phil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so about what's that? About ten years ago. Twenty five years. I've been. Um, I've been working in hospitality apprenticeships. Before that, um, I did all sorts of different stuff. Uh, including I, I ran a bar in France and, and then I was a hotel manager for a while uh, out there as well um, and, and, and lots of other things. I've been a chartered accountant in my time and worked in Bermuda and I, I sailed a yacht around the world once but that's again that's, that's a few years ago as of well. Of course you did. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow, yeah well uh, uh, you are very very welcome and it sounds like you've got one hell of a story but anyway you're very very welcome. Next up from within our MIH ranks we have Vandana Daz. Have I pronounced that correctly, Vandana? Hi, Phil. Yes, it's Vandana. Vandana. Sorry. Probably should have done that before we turned the microphone <laughs> on. But, but there we are. And you are Managing Director of Davenport Solicitors. I am. Yes, I am. Excellent. And, well, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How's your day been? Yes, sweaty. But uh, but good, yeah. I'm not gonna. This is not gonna be a riding theme of this podcast today. It's not. That's the last time we'll talk about sweat. But. Um, so you're uh, MD of Davenport Solicitors. Just tell us a little bit about who they are and what you do. 
Um, so I run a law firm which uh, specializes in business immigration and human resources. So we, um, we generally help businesses um, with the tougher issues that have to deal with, such as um, dismissals and grievances, hiring and firing, that, that kind of area, as well as uh, recruiting staff from all over the world to obviously to progress their businesses. Right. Okay. And I think I, I saw you, I think you spent some time with the uh, illustrious Robert Richardson recently, did you not? I did. Yes. We went to a lovely uh, restaurant um, for lunch and um, had a very, um, very fruitful discussion. Very good. Well, that's good. That's um, excellent. And, uh, you know, I think what you do is so monumentally important to to businesses that um yeah you're you're absolutely very welcome and and i'll be interested as well as we get into the topic today to to kind of i suppose take here what the the legal angle is on what we're discussing so maybe we'll get into that at some point as well excellent Uh, and then finally from within our ih members we have so here we go again (laughs) i really should have really should have done this before we switch the microphone on sophia mayer Yes, Sophia. Is that correct? Sophia Meyer, yes. Meyer, Hi. very good. I am on fire today. <laughs> and you're um, Revenue Executive with Hilton. Yes, exactly. Right? Yes. yes, I'm in Watford yeah. in the regional headquarters. Um, started in September as part of a grad programme. So, yeah, pretty much at the beginning um, of my career, let's say. Fantastic. And um, well, do, what does a Revenue Executive do? Tell the world. <laughs> so, yeah, so we basically um, take care of... Uh, hotels in the EMEA region, so Europe, Middle East, um, and Africa, also obviously UK and Ireland region mainly. And um, yeah, each one of us basically manages a cluster or uh, yeah, a number of hotels in the region, and we take care of the hotel's revenue production pretty much. Fantastic. And I have to say a huge thank you to you because you very kindly when asked the question, would you do a podcast, just went, yes. Oh, I'll yeah, sure. And, um, we didn't even tell you what the subject was going to be. It was just like, yeah, let's do it. So I um, I love that. <laughs> yes. um, let's shoot, shoot first, ask questions later. Exactly. Yeah, no, very excited to be here. Excellent. Well, you are all very, very welcome. And uh, I'm going to come back to you, Jill. Always like to ask everybody why they said I'm in to the Institute of Hospitality. So you, I'm guessing you must have been a member for a couple of years now. I have. I've been a member for a long, long time. Um, I was a member before I was a fellow, uh, which is the way it goes for most people, I think. Um, yep. I've been in the sector for, well, e- even even longer than my you know early childhood, clearly. Um, yeah. And uh, why why I'm, why I'm in, I, I absolutely love this sector. I've got a real passion for it. Most of what we do, most of my work is involved in helping people within the sector to either skill themselves up or make sure that their staff skills are at the level that they're going to be able to create excellence for their guests. And and I love it. And, you know, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be in? Exactly. There we are. Exactly. That's, that's... So I'm in. Although the hashtag is like, it looks, looks a bit like Imin if you're, if you're not sure. So, um, <laughs> So I'm 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 kind of how do we write that so that it says I'm in rather than in? Maybe maybe some yeah. capital letters are needed on the hashtag. God, we're just writing marketing plans now as well. <laughs> this podcast is where is that? Where yeah, it's at? That's what tough love's all about, Phil. You just got to attack at all angles, but do it with a smile on your face and a kind. I way knew you were the right person to get on this podcast, Jill. Yes. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, and then same question to you, Vandana. <laughs> yes, thanks, Bill. Um, yeah, well, I, uh, I've been a member for a few years, um, survived COVID. And um, I think IOH is one of the... Uh, one of those uh, those organisations which I find um, really proactive, great people. Um, I've always enjoyed the the um, events uh, that you hold, and it's absolutely an amazing sector and very very supportive uh, a supportive sector to its members. Yeah, and I suppose as well from your perspective, because your your business doesn't just look after hospitality businesses. Is that is that true? Are you no. cross sector? Yeah, we are cross sector, and actually, you know, I'm from the legal sector. But um, I I do enjoy being part of the um, IOH, um, and uh, I make it you know I make it very clear to um, you know the um, the staff at IOH. It's um, it's amazing to be part of it, and I really really enjoy as I say being part of it. Yeah, and I guess equally helps you from a, a networking perspective. The t- the the people that you want to be meeting are going to be involved in IOH events and things like that. Yeah, and it's the range. Um, so it's not just you know. Um, you know, owners of hotels or managers, it's a whole range. And um, it's great to be able to support them in um, in, the, in, in in that area of law, which is quite difficult um, to navigate through. Um, and sometimes there's um, a lot to know um, about, you know, what the rights are for an individual and an organisation. Um, so it's good to, um, good to support them and help them out. Superb. And then back to you, Sophia. Uh, why did you say I'm in to the IOH? I mean, I guess it was a pretty easy choice um, to join. I mean, I'm very so passionate about hospitality. I have been for my whole life. Um, I come from quite a small region in Italy that relies quite a lot on tourism. So I've worked in hospitality since yeah, I was basically 14, 15, studied hospitality in high school and at uni, and then having the opportunity to join the institute as student um, when I started uni was just amazing. So um, I didn't hesitate to then kind of uh, renew my membership and become an associate when um, I went into the kind of working world last year. Fantastic. And have you been along to any events so far? Oh, yes. I um, pretty much never missed the above and beyond events. I think they're amazing networking events and the topics that um, are spoken um, about in the panels are just amazing and just so up to date and so interesting to meet so many new people in the same industry. And yeah, I feel like it's 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 like a family. Yeah, they're just always so wonderfully positive events, aren't they? Like, I mean, you know, it's almost like, as you say, it's like family members reconnecting with each other and, you know, pick up where you left off the last time you saw somebody. Exactly, 100%. Yeah, which is what hospitality is. Yeah. There we are. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, uh, let's thanks so much, guys, for, for filling us in on that. And, um, yeah, it's time to get on with the topic at hand. And today we're talking about tough love in leadership. So I've got a cracking opening statement today, and this is actually taken from a a novel called Brushstrokes of Gadfly, which I'd never heard of before, but the the statement is simply this. An acquaintance merely enjoys your company. A fair-weather companion flatters when all is well. A true friend has your best interests at heart and the pluck to tell you what you need to hear. Now, um, I went with that over a number of different choices because I think the, the key thing with tough love is, is that it kind of does exactly what it says on the tin. So I just want to open this question to you guys. What is your understanding of tough love in the context of leadership? And Jill, I'll come back to you first. Yeah, you know what? I, 
I think the word tough can has too many connotations for me. I, I prefer to think of it as, you know, the, the strict but fair or firm but kind approach to leadership. Um, I think what really works within it is you've got to have really strong goals, high expectations of people, but you've also got to have a, a really high level and standard of care for those individuals. So that, that people orientation is, is, is absolutely critical if you're going to make tough love work. I think we've all got loads of examples of, of when it's happened. And I think the people that I work with, I, it's, it's something that has always come reasonably naturally to me. But, you know, you, you, those, some of those conversations you've got to have, they are difficult, they're really difficult. But if you know that it's coming from a good place, a place where you're trying to help somebody to, to be better or to, to do their job role better or to fit better into the team, if it's coming from that, that, that place of caring, then, then it's something that you can, you can get past the awkwardness and the difficulty of having the conversation. Um, so that, that's kind of what it means to me, Phil. No, I, I hear you. And I, I suppose we've used the, the, the wording of tough love. It comes in many forms, uh, of course. I, I hear, hear you when it comes to, to using the word tough. It's the same principle as of being cruel to be kind, right? And, and things like that is that the wording perhaps could be better. But uh, we'll go with it today for the, the sake of this, because that's what I've written all the questions around. Um, and <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think, as you say, we, we can probably all recount instances in our own career perhaps when we've dished it out but also received it uh, and maybe we'll come on to, to that uh, as we go through the conversation same question to you Vandana what's your understanding of tough love in the context of, of leadership um, for me I think it's more about um, you know successful leaders knowing um, their, their staff and not being afraid of actually being tough or strict on their employees, as long as they mean, as long as it means that they actually get the the work done. But obviously, that doesn't mean that they can be tough um, and aggressive towards the towards the staff without any reason. But they they know exactly how the 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 way that they deal with things, um, how it would get the best out of the, the the employees. So I guess it's about you know being nice, and you can still be nice, but you can have you can be assertive and firm at the same time as well. And I, I totally agree with that, Vanton. I think I think one of the things is that you, you can't just dive in with tough love, can you? It's something where you've got to prepare the ground. You know, you need to develop that environment of trust, understanding the people you're working with before you can start issuing um, you know, issuing the whole tough love piece. Absolutely. It's yeah. about getting your, getting to know each member of your team to understand what their goals are. Um, and, and and where their strengths and weaknesses lie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I suppose you have a, a situation where somebody may come into an organisation and the uh, the leadership or the main leader within that organisation might have this approach. Uh, in fact, you know, there's a, a good chance that they will, as you say, that uh, Jill, that that probably comes from a position of care and, and love, in fact. Um, you want to see somebody you know, progress and, and become better. And sometimes you've got to give them that extra pep talk, talk to, to help them get there. Yeah, I love the point around preparing the groundwork. If somebody's coming into an environment and they're not ready for that, as in they're not aware that that's the way it is, then that's that's a massively important part of, of business, I would say. 
definitely. So that that environment um, that you foster. It's interesting. I was at a team meeting recently, one of our team meetings, because we, we operate all the way across England. So we've got teams dotted all over the country. I was at a team meeting recently and there was a, one of the guys had just come from a chefing role and we were training him up to be one of our tutors. So all of our staff are first and foremost professionals in the industry and, and then we teach them to be teachers. So they're dual professionals. And he'd just come into, I mean, clearly it's a very different thing of what they've come from to what they're going to. And he, he said, you know, he's got a six month probationary period, but but if he if he gets his head down and goes for it, he, he, he can complete that sooner. And, and it was interesting in the meeting, he said, you know what, I've, I've been, I feel so well looked after and so cared for the environment of just my little team here, but also, you know, the, the organisation, we have regular company updates. And he feels like he's been treated like an adult, like a, like a professional that he is. He just feels so cared for already, even a couple of weeks into the job, that he's adamant he's going to beat the targets for all of for his um, probationary period. He's going to get through his training as quickly as he can because he, he just feels like, you know, he just wants to be part of this and stay with it. And I think that's one of those, you know, the guys out in the field, are, for me, are doing their bit in terms of fostering that environment. It's not just about the senior leaders. This is... It is a whole environment, a whole ecosystem where we genuinely want everybody to do their best and, and make great progress. And we will support and help as much as we can. But that includes pulling people up when it's it, it's not quite working. And he got all of yeah. that and was really appreciative of it. I think I think most adult hum, humans are, are really appreciative of of, um, of that kind of approach. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think that's the, the, the key point is once you have established that internally, as long as it's coming from a position of care, mm-hmm. then, you know, then generally people will take it in the, the way that it's intended, which is to try and improve someone, make them better in, in their, their, well, better in their work and better as a human, I guess. Absolutely. Sophia, what's your understanding of, of tough love in the context of leadership? I mean, I feel like I can just pretty much echo what um, has been said already. I think um, kind of building the ground base and building trust first and foremost, um, kind of from both sides, I would say, trust and reliability and just respect um, for each other, both from the leader to team members and the other way around. It just makes it so much easier to work well together, to be able to kind of achieve common goals, but also personal goals. And um, yeah, getting to know each other and um, each other's strengths, but also weaknesses um, to just be able to kind of make the whole working part um, run more smoothly. And I feel like as soon as you have that trust, you can, of course, then be tough or like stricter, as we said, strict, but um, but right in, in more difficult situations. But, you know, it will not be taken wrongly because you know each other and um yeah, and you work well together. So yeah, I think trust first and foremost is is my kind of biggest take from from a good tough love leadership. Absolutely. And from your own experience, have you got have you got any examples of when you've I don't know either been on the receiving end of it yourself or have have dished it out to somebody else? I mean, let's say I'm usually kind of on the receiving end. Um, I have uh, haven't yet been in a in a leadership position. Um, but I feel like, yeah, a good balance for me is, is the best thing. I know that works best for me. Um, also improving kind of my motivation overall, if I know that 
uh, my leader, my manager knows what I'm good at, um, knows when I need help or or how I need to be approached um, in order to understand specific things, how I need to be supported. And yeah, so to be honest, I have mostly um, positive um, experiences in this sense. Yeah, so for me, a good balance works definitely. Um, I don't like, obviously, as most of people, I don't like to be shouted at, even if I make mistakes. Um, I feel like having a good balance between self and love is the most effective way with me, at least. Yeah, I suppose it's it's that old, well, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So a little bit of toughness and a little bit of love yeah, exactly. to get together is, a, is actually a really good balance. But actually, if it's too out of balance one way or the other, it can it can be a problem. Definitely, yeah. And I think it just shows that it's, it's also important. So, um, you know, Sophia mentioned, you know, she doesn't want to be shouted at, and I don't think anybody wants to be shouted at. And I think that um, leaders will then um, have the risk of, um, you know, staff not approaching them when, when they need help, um, when they need, when there's a problem. And I think that, that that's where the, the, there will be issues. Um, so it's important for leaders to be approachable as well and, ha- and, and for employees to feel confident and comfortable um, going to their leaders for that support. Totally agree yeah. with you, Fantana. But I, I have to say, I think I think there's a balance to be found, though, right? You know, we yeah, absolutely. You, there, there are plenty of time thieves out there who, with the best intentions, can can really occupy your diary. And and so sometimes, sometimes actually dealing with them requires a special type of tough love, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, years ago, I had a I had a member of staff who, you, you know, when you just want to pull your hair out because <laughs> they just don't listen. Um, and and this was somebody who was one of those people who just really just didn't listen. And and actually, the the tough love that went on there was a, a sit down conversation that basically said said look you know this is coming from a place of kindness I need you to know that this is not personal I like you very much but unless you develop some listening skills we're going to really struggle in our ongoing business relationship and and she was a bit horrified because nobody had ever told her that before but but um she came back after a couple of days and said can I talk to you about this because this is new to me but I think you might be right so, so yeah. difficult, but, but had I let her continue in a normal modus operandi, we'd probably still be talking about it today, you know, five years yeah. later. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. um, the issue here is that these kind of problems occur quite often. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have organisations not wanting to deal with it because they think, okay, well, you know, what does it mean? What, what you know, am I going to get a claim? Is, is the employee mm-hmm. going to raise a grievance? So they kind of... Um, hide their head in the sand and then things blow out of proportion and they then suddenly realize that we've got to do something about it and unfortunately sometimes it's really too late an employee then you know could potentially have their two years in the service could potentially have an unfair dismissal claim no conversations about performance have ever been t- have taken place so the employee will question well you've never said anything before so why now is there an ulterior motive? Yeah, absolutely. And there's that whole thing around the difference between competency and performance and, and capabilities. And, you know, some of that stuff is so easy to address. You can have somebody who's absolutely, you know, potentially brilliant at their job, but perhaps a little bit lacking in emotional intelligence. So maybe not quite making it as, as well as they could. Perhaps their behaviours are a little bit off. All it, all it takes is a, 
is a is a difficult conversation. Which you know, I mean, let's say so. I mean, Sophia's from Italy, so perhaps they do it better there on the continent. <laughs> but I'm I'm from Birmingham. Um, actually, from Birmingham, they're quite straight talking. But but you know, in England, we tend to sort of be more nervous about being seen to be nice than we are about you know being seen to be a little bit tougher and uh it, it's not there's no kindness in allowing people to carry on in a way that's not beneficial to them or to the organization but i wonder yeah. whether Jill, that's because there is a lack um, of understanding and uh, training and knowledge in the organization which then doesn't give the give the power to the to managers and leaders to deal with these issues sometimes you know i've come across times where actually the employee actually says well i've 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 done some research they're actually trying to teach the leaders about mm. what their legal rights are um mm. and that's concerning because actually the organization should know where what you know what the legal rights are for employees and be able to deal with matters swiftly, firmly, um, and efficiently. I agree. I, 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 we, we've had a case once where, um, where there were some allegations against a member of staff, and you know they were just allegations. But they, if they'd been right, then they could have been pretty serious. So you, you have to have the difficult conversation and say, look, I need you to step out of the picture for a little while while we check this out. Now, there's a way of doing that that causes no offence. It might cause a bit of concern for the individuals involved, but it causes no offence because of the way that you put it across. If you get it right, you do a quick investigation, it goes one way or the other, and you, and it's dealt with properly. If you let those sort of things carry on and there's more and more complaints build up or more allegations build up, you can you can very quickly find yourself in a really difficult position. And, you know, with no, no disrespect to... Um, lawyers but you're spending more of your time with lawyers and more of your budget with lawyers than actually you should be because what you should have done was face it you know right at the front end but I agree with you I think I think people are quite nervous and their understanding of what can be done because you know that you see so many cases going to tribunals these days and, and people are scared of that understandably really what we, I mean, what we, what we do is, I sometimes find that you know my role um, as a solicitor, so we don't just deal with litigation. So when it all goes to the tribunal, but we deal with the everything that happens before litigation. And mm-hmm. sometimes um, I have that job to empower the managers and the leaders um, to, you know, for them to be confident um, by handholding them through the whole process and dealing with the matter. And I've had so many times, you know, people coming to me and say, you know what, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> Um, yeah. And it's you know it's because they just need that that support, um, and they need to know how do I do this correctly. Yeah. And, and as soon as they've done one, they are okay doing the next one. Yeah, I think the the, the other side of that is that other people within the organisation will see that, that that things are done right, and 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 people will not worry so much when when perhaps they're part of an investigation because they'll say well you know this has to happen sometimes sometimes mm-hmm. these things happen sometimes you know sometimes things get blown up out of all proportion sometimes there's some grounds to it but you know I, I i feel safe that if this happens to me it's going to be fair and reasonable that that my employer will have taken the right advice um and and that and they're, they're doing it from a position of of getting it right i think you know the 
it all goes full circle, doesn't it? It does, but you, the employers could also help themselves. Um, you know, yeah. so many organisations don't have something, you know, like policies and procedures or a staff handbook. And that helps so much because it's, it's a go-to guide. And yeah. it, it just sets out the whole process, you know, various procedures, and, the, uh, and it makes life so much easier for them. Yeah, when yeah, they don't totally. have that, then it's panic mode. Oh, totally. And it's part of that whole environment, isn't it? What we talked about before about building that environment of trust. If, if, if you're clear about what the, what the ground rules are, it makes life so much simpler for everybody. Absolutely. Though yeah, no, I think what's coming through in, in a lot of this for me is the fact that there, there's a lot of psychology in play. And yes, of course, I'm glad that we've discussed kind of the legal ramifications, if you like, of, of going too far. But a lot of that can come about when the stall has not been set out properly or when the foundations have not been laid out or when someone has just let something run far too long without dealing with it. So it comes back to, I suppose, certainly from my own perspective, the the psychology and the willingness of an individual, both in the leadership terms, to be able to have the confidence to be able to address something that requires a, a, sometimes a difficult conversation but equally the individual who's receiving it as well to be open enough to be receiving it. Because I think a lot of the time as well, people can take their initial response can be, you know, I've just had a dressing down or, or it feels like that's the case because my performance has been so positive for, you know, 90% of the time, but on this 10% time that it just went off on the wrong direction, they, you know, that's what they jumped down my throat on. So, You've got to be willing as an individual to to take the tough love as well, I think. It's not something that is just about how we prepare leaders to deliver it. It's also how we prepare people to accept it when it's delivered in the right way. Yeah, of course. I mean, love love's a two-way thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, just leave it there. Well, the thing is, I think, um, you know, it's about, you know, you know, organisations, leaders especially, um, to, there's no need to go heavy handed on employees. You know, they can have, you know, the conversations have to be in a way which is going to be constructive and, and, and kind. There's no need going in and saying, OK, well, you know, you're not performing very well. And yes, we're going to put you on a pip. That's not going to go down very well, obviously. Um, but the first thing that, you know, I would suggest to do is have a... A, a, a just a conversation you know set out you know where can the employee actually you know where, where they're going wrong how can they improve that seems more constructive and you know I'd like to think that employees would then t- you know take that on board and say actually yes I need to work on xyz and the whole point of appraisals you know at the to have them um, one-to-ones and um, that's the whole process of trying to get to know each other and also understand what someone's day-to-day work entails and what they're doing on a day-to-day basis where do they need support where are the shortfalls where, where are the strong where the strong the, their strengths lie and how they and how businesses can actually use that to grow their own organizations so yeah so i think yeah. constructive conversations go a long way yeah no doubt sophia i uh, i'm conscious of the fact that um we've we've not heard from you for a, a while <laughs> no. um Anything to add on kind of anything that you've heard in the in the last sort of few minutes through the discussion? Yeah, to be honest, I was listening myself because I feel it's it's so inspiring as well hearing um, from both Jill and Vandana. So, I mean, yeah, thinking overall, kind of 
again back to to the trust per, um, part and getting to know each other i think as Vandana said, one-to-ones and kind of some personal time to reflect both with your leader, manager, um, whatever it is, on uh, yeah, what what you need support with, um, what what you feel like you want to improve on, or what um, maybe if you want to take um, on specific uh, kind of new tasks or learn new skills. I think it, it goes such a long way to to let them know, and obviously not only waiting for them to come to you um, and ask, but also taking initiative yourself and reaching out. Um, either yeah for help or or for kind of anything that you want to improve on yourself and I think even showing that potentially you also know about your specific weaknesses or things that you're not good at or that you struggle with I think also goes uh, such a long way in, in that whole communication part and um, trusting part to be honest yeah. yeah, I do have uh, at the stage you're at in your career at the moment Sophia do you have aspirations to to move your career into into leadership down the line at some point i mean i guess um yeah obviously it's it's always kind of in the back of uh, of my head to the kind of to to have that leader either role or kind of career aspiration in the back of my head at the moment to be honest i am let's say enjoying the ride i'm pretty much at the beginning yeah. um so still trying to learn as much as possible in in every way but um, yeah, I really, really enjoy kind of trying to get as much um, insights as possible from both other team members and from leaders to to know um, what works and what doesn't work for others and what um, I could potentially change on myself or, or tweak or learn um, for myself. So I think, um, yeah, communication overall, both with leadership and trying to learn as much as possible doesn't matter in what role you are just never stop learning new things I think is 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 so important I think as well Sophia I mean you're at that stage where you're still developing your own personal brand aren't you you know you and 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 I think we all are to some extent but um you know at that earlier stage in your career that that personal brand you, you know you can have a choice about that you can you can you can set out to be somebody who you know who's has quite high expectations of themselves and others you know you can start from that place but also you know you, you can choose to be people orientated you can choose to have a highly caring nature um and, and you and you know I've only just met you today but you fit very much seem like that sort of person so you know you can <laughs> do your own personal brand then you, you don't have to be in a senior leadership role to, to start to think about those sort of things you know how does the rest of the world see you how do you how do your colleagues see you it, a 360 degree review is something that happens in your organization and if not you know can you ask other people you know what, what you know what, what do I look like to you you know, how does that how, how does my personal brand appear to you so I think I think there's there's stuff in this for everybody isn't there definitely yeah, yeah. and I think that goes back again as as you said before um, about constructive feedback and and trying to get um, kind of as much feedback either positive or negative from um, as many people as possible because obviously yeah that would then make sure that I can develop or like everyone can develop into the person they want to be or yeah kind of tweaking and trying new things I guess. Brilliant. Yeah and I think that the leadership is uh, and maybe I've, I've been guilty of kind of leading the conversation this way today but the uh, leadership is also not just about position it is just you know you can develop leadership skills when you're not in a leadership position you know you you can still be indirectly leading people even though you don't exactly you know maybe they don't fall under your team or or whatever that that might look like so it is definitely as Jill says it's definitely worth 
and at, at the risk of this sounding like a careers talk, uh, it's definitely worth giving contemplation as to what your personal brand is. And I think anybody who's listening who is at that stage in their career, at any stage in your career, really, I think these are all really great questions to ask yourself as a, you know, who are you? What what are you good at? What are you bad at? What would you like to become better at? And especially when you get your head around that type of self-reflection questioning, you're going to become a better leader anyway. And, uh, you know, m- maybe the need for tough love will be less because you are delivering top-end leadership all the time. I don't know. That's me being whimsical and philosophical definitely going into the kind of existential crisis moment now <laughs> for everyone <laughs> listening <laughs> oh bless yeah so well here's a, a very open question anybody feel free to jump in on this do you think developing a tough love style of leadership is exactly can it be developed or do you think people just have a, a, an inherent way about them that either makes it easier or difficult to do so I, well, I, I would say that what, what you have to do is, is think about it in terms of tough love. You know, I think everybody's got the capability of working that way. But it it's not, it's absolutely not natural to put yourself, well, for most people, it's absolutely not natural to put yourself in a position where you've got to do a, have a difficult conversation. Nobody wants to do that. No, nobody mm-hmm. is, is going, well. I guess nobody that I know anyway is going out searching for the difficult conversation. So there is an element of, of training, personal confidence, self-assurance that, that you need to have to be able to, to have those conversations in the first place. You know, as Van Damme said earlier, you know, not, not doing it is, is, has much worse consequences than actually, actually doing it. So it just perhaps it's something that we need to think about in terms of when we're when we're nurturing our own teams in in bringing them on and letting them have a better understanding of what of what tough love means and you know strip but fair and all of that good stuff giving them giving them that sort of that confidence to be able to say something that they they know is difficult but is also right yeah and yeah to add on to that i feel like if you become a leader, I wouldn't kind of stress too much on like, okay, I'm being being too tough, I'm being too soft. I think um, first and foremost, as we said before, listening in on what the team needs and what kind of leader they uh, need you to be in specific situations. It's just a whole learning curve, um, like as you go along, I guess. I don't think um, you can be born of it, uh, with it or not, or you need to have it when you take uh, on the leadership position. I think it's it's just... A continuous learning and feedback for yourself as well what the team needs and wants and um yeah and what what works for you then in the long term i guess yeah, yeah I think I, I to... sorry phil I was no just... on you go, you no, go. I, I was just gonna add i think that you know it can be developed but then um it's about um you know leaders having the knowledge and and ex- experience um, and as long as they possess those two, I think they become much more confident in dealing with these um, difficult conversations. But uh, sometimes you get, you know, you get people saying to you, oh, well, you know, the power's got to his head or the power's got to her head because then they, they're having these difficult conversations, but they're, getting, they're, they're forgetting that they're still dealing with humans um, and they still are in an environment where, you know, they still want to be likable, but... They, they should be perceived as somebody who can get the job done, but still have those difficult conversations. Yeah. So this is a balance 
um, I think, in terms of how they deal with these these issues. I think as well, Vandana, I think, I think at, at that stage as well, quite often the, the reason that somebody's gone in really tough is because they've just let it go on a little bit too long. They shouldn't yeah. have dealt with it enough. But then they sometimes think that the, just because they've had a difficult conversation, they can just, you know, just keep on going in that in that manner. Um, that's but that's not always that's not always um, the way that it should be going and um, not going to be very productive sometimes. So it's, you know, every sometimes everybody's everybody's different. Um, and so, sometimes they have to do, use different approaches um, to deal with situations. Sure. Um, and I said, you know, Sorry, I was going to say that that's sort of going back to that that whole sort of emotional intelligence piece, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my my own personal experience of of this is I've historically and still am to this day an unashamed uh, people pleaser. I it it gives me energy, and I I will never make any excuses for that. However, it has led to circumstances whereby over the course of my life and career, I've found it difficult to have any kind of kind of, I suppose, something that I might then feel like is deemed as a as a confrontational experience, whereas because I'm overthinking it, because I'm thinking about, I just want to make this person happy. That's where my kind of deep rooted value system comes from. But actually, I know for a fact that this can this can be developed because I, I, I don't have that that same kind of, uh, I suppose, scaredness of, of of having a situation whereby I need to have a difficult conversation with somebody, as long as I'm coming at it with a uh, from a position of being able to help me and help them move forward. So, lots and lots and lots of examples uh, of that through through my my life, and it is one of those things that I've come to this, this phrase that I have in my head that I always repeat to myself in a moment where I feel like I'm about to go outside of my comfort zone is that the fear of doing something is way worse than doing it. And so actually when you get into the midst of it and if you rely on, as you guys have been talking about, your emotional intelligence, that wasn't me getting emotional, by the way. Um, (laughs) Then um, if you can rely on your emotional intelligence in that moment, then you have a, a situation whereby you just have to be present for that person, for that team, for whoever it is that you're having this difficult conversation with, you have to be with them right then, right there, and not be thinking about all of the stuff that was getting perhaps your brain into a, a space that it shouldn't have been in beforehand. And when you're there and when you're in that moment and you can take the feeds from people and the, the cues of how it's being received, it becomes a discussion. It doesn't then become this, that's me versus you. It's you know, this is me. Yes, I'm trying to help you become better, but you know, am I am I saying it in the right way? It becomes an open discussion, and when that happens, that's when sparks fly in in business, because it's then not about positions again. It's about helping people just become the best version of themselves. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but I am a massive believer in that. Yeah, couldn't agree more. They 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 need to. You know, I think um, you know organizations um, need to obviously. Um, tell employees you know what and why they should do something but uh, they need to be flexible on how they, how they should do it because as I mentioned they're all you know everyone's different um, and in order for them to develop they need to be able to do it themselves um, to show you know the, how they perform and, and obviously give them that leeway to to do it themselves. 
Um, so it is important to actually, you know, just let them be as well, just to try to, you know, understand um, how they approach something. Oh, we can all learn from that, can't we? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Conscious of time a little bit, but one question I just want to ask before we, we all go on our merry ways. What happens in a situation when you're you're leading somebody and they're not quite getting it and you try the tough love approach and it hasn't worked and they're, they're you can sense that they're going off in the wrong direction how do you how do you bring that back how does what do you do when tough love doesn't work well i think sometimes that might be about your own personal brand of tough love so from my perspective you know i'm lucky enough to have a, a great team of people that i work with are fantastic and sometimes my approach isn't going to work so I first of all look to myself and go you know is this just because we're not gelling so is there somebody else in the team that this individual um, might gel with that 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 could work better and and we'll give it another shot from that perspective but you know sometimes there's going to be that position where you know that just isn't working at all Um, and then you've got to bring in the specialists you've got to bring in the experts whether that's an HR specialist or whether somebody who's doing conflict resolution, whether that's the union people, because they could be actually, if you unionize, they, they can be fantastic. I mean, I've had some instances of that. So yeah, you, you, giving, you, just giving up and going straight to legals isn't necessarily the right way to go about those things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely. I think first and foremost, as Jill said, um, kind of looking at yourself as a leader first as well, saying, okay, they don't get it. Could it be because of my approach? Uh, does this approach not work with them? And yeah, and, and if you feel like you cannot kind of change your approach in that situation with that person, um, why not reaching out, reach out to someone else that might have a different approach, um, which might work better for the person? So I guess kind of acknowledging that um, your style or your approach does not work for everyone and also accepting the fact that in this case um someone might need something else either from you or from someone else i guess it's it's important to kind of have that self-reflection as a leader as well absolutely bandana any closing thoughts um yeah so is that a closing statement in in the law (laughs) it's not a statement but actually i'm I'm going to talk about my experience working with organizations um and um most of it is being that they've um you know sometimes have um, you know, employees who have big, you know, are difficult. They've had, you know, they've given them opportunities to improve. It's not working. Ultimately, businesses want to just get on with their business, um, and they don't want to um, absorb so much time in dealing with matters. And mm. obviously, because of the risk of, um, you know, potential claims, they sometimes need to act quite quickly. Um, and so it comes to a point where they say, okay, well, you know what? How long? How long do I have to keep on? giving this individual chances and let, letting them improve. And then and then it comes to a, a decision that they make um, and they say, actually, well, you know what, we, 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 we need to get them out. Um, and, um, and, and sometimes it is the, the, that difficult conversation which will happen and that's um, generally dismissal. And yes, that's where we would come in and we would help, you know, them, you know, do, deal with that. Um, and yes, you know, it's not, you know, it's not all... Um, it's not a happy thing to do, um, but it's something which has to be done, and uh, and it has to be done because organisations, you know, need to run their business, and um, it's costing them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's where the tough love is, and uh, you know, and I, I think, absolutely, I think you know, leaders have a, a tough job to do, 
Um, they've got to be nice, but they've got to be firm um, and they've got to run a business which is profitable. Yeah, well, otherwise there's no business. There's no business, exactly. Yeah, indeed. Great stuff. Okay, thank you so much, guys. I'm going to wrap it up there. I am sure we could have gone on and on and on. I think we covered three of the 20 billion questions that I sent you beforehand. So. <laughs> but um, some really great takeaways in there. The main one for me, actually, is which is something that I hadn't really thought about in terms of actually just how to simplify this, is that too much tough is bad, too much love is bad. Getting the balance is right. It was, what was it Freddie Mercury said, actually? Too much love will kill you. There we are. Uh, it's not. It's not necessarily. You, you, you've got to get the balance right in uh, when you're delivering this. And um, my biggest takeaway, in fact, this will be a line that will go to my grave with me, is that Jill delivers a special kind of tough love you can take with you. Oh, that, I, that, don't take it to your grave, Jill. Yeah. Don't don't go to your grave just yet. <laughs> I, I stick around for a bit longer. We like you. <laughs> Fantastic. Great stuff, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, I wish you a pleasant day ahead what's left of it you too thank you thank you very much thank you everyone bye 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 i'm in today's episode of i'm in covered tough love in leadership and featured sophia mayer aih vandana daz mih and jill whitaker fih hosted by me phil street fih a huge thank you goes to the IOH's very own Leon Williams FIH for the music and Sonia Cresswell MIH for the artwork and branding. To say I'm in and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org and to find out more about the Institute of Hospitality or to join our hospitality family, please click the links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and join us next time where we'll be discussing one of the hottest topics of the moment, talent attraction. IOH.